Thanks for joining us at our Foothills Church podcast. We exist to help people find and follow Jesus. If you're new here, we'd love to connect with you at foothills.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. Relationships are tough, aren't they? They're very, very difficult. And I'm, I'm really praying that God's going to move significantly. I really believe he did in the first service. It, there are going to be some times where it's going to be real challenging maybe today. And, and um, some things may hit close to home and it may be a little uh, uh, difficult at times. But we're going to allow God's spirit to move through that. So I want to pray and we'll get started. Lord God, this is your time. This is, these are your people. This is your word we're going to open. And I pray that you would speak to us directly, not, not just to us as a group, but to us personally today. May your words penetrate deep within our hearts. Help us to remove all of the distractions. Help us to lean in to what you've got to say. We trust you, God. We know that you are moving, that you're alive, and that you're going to do some great things today. In, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hey, how many of you are Major League Baseball fans? None? Okay. Well, this is going to go bad then. How many of you are baseball fans? Anybody? A few. Okay. How many? Of, even if you're not a baseball fan, you'll probably recognize this name, Cal Ripken Jr. Cal Ripken Jr. is, uh, is a Hall of Fame baseball player. He was uh, elected to the Hall of Fame in 2007 in his first attempt. You know, they, they bring him up and uh, most people don't get in the first time. He did with an astounding 98.5% of the votes saying, yeah, we want him in. And, and there's good reason for that because this guy was... I mean, just an incredible player, but um, I want to give you some of his statistics to kind of share why people got him in the Hall of Fame. He, um, he played 21 seasons with the Baltimore Orioles, 1981 to 2001, and um, he excelled in all kinds of ways. He had, over his career, 3,184 base hits, 431 home runs, 1,695 RBIs, during his career, he won two Golden Glove Awards, which is a defensive award. He holds, um, let's see, he was, he was a 19-time All-Star. He was twice named American League MVP. But the reason, uh, despite all of those great statistics, I think most people, if you ask them, baseball fans um, who know the game and know Ripken, they would say the reason that really that he's head and shoulders above everything else is not those things. And those are fantastic. But what he's most known for is that he played in 2,632 consecutive games. Like that is by far the record of, the, of, of, of any player that has played that many games in a row. The, the closest to him was a record held for 56 years by Lou Gehrig, but he went 500 games more. Ripken wins 500 games more than he did. Now think about this for a second. 2,632 baseball games, which is a physical game without missing a game. And if, in baseball, the regular season is 162 games. Which, so that's equivalent to over 17 seasons that he didn't sit out a game. Not for an injury, not because he was injured, but he didn't sit out a game. Not because he was, wasn't sick. I'm sure he was sick sometime during those 17 years. Not for just because he was tired, which I'm sure he was really tired, and not because he just needed a personal day. Maybe as somebody was giving birth or there was something that he needed to be at, but he didn't. He showed up every single game, and he, that's why his nickname is Iron Man. This guy was incredible, and I think if you were going to sum up the reason that he's in, you know, a, 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 someone's in the Hall of Fame, 
was you could say that it's because of his consistency. Like game after game, year after year, you could count on Cal Ripken Jr. to be there and to put on the cleats and play a game at a high level. Another way that I think you could actually word that is that Cal Ripken Jr. was faithful to the game of baseball. Today, we're going to be talking about something known as faithfulness. And you know what it is, right? Faithfulness is when someone does something consistently over a period of time. They're faithful. You can, you can take it to the bank. You, you can trust that person because they're going to get it done because they've got a track record of doing it. That's how Ripken was, and that's how we ought to be in our lives. And, and in this series, we're looking at relationships, and we're focusing on different aspects of relationship known as the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you don't know what that is, I'm going to get into that a little bit later, but that's an attribute that God gives us when, when you invite Jesus into your life. But faithfulness is something that we admire, we respect, we strive for. We, when we see it, which we don't often see it, but when we do see it, we, we, we take notice because we appreciate when someone's faithful. Maybe it's just a, a husband and wife who's been faithful to one another for 50 years or 60 years of marriage. And we look at that and we go, man, that is incredible. That's how, that's how I want my marriage to be because that is the model. Or maybe it's an employee who has been faithful to the the, the the company he worked for for 30 years and he finally retires and spent his whole career there and they give him the gold watch and it's like, wow, this guy was faithful. Or maybe it's just a friend. It's that friend that you have in your life that you know they're going to be there. They've been there through the thick and the thin and through the good times, the bad times. And when everybody else left, they were still there. And that's why you look at that person and go, that is a faithful friend. I don't have to wonder about them. They're always going to be there. And we look at that and we go, I, I want that. Faithfulness is something we appreciate. If you go to Yellowstone National Park, you know where you're going to end up sooner or later? At Old Faithful. It's the geyser you can count on. Every 60 to 90 minutes, it, it's going to erupt. It's not the biggest uh, geyser. It's not the, it's not the most spectacular geyser, but it's the most faithful one. And that's why people flock there because they can count on it. They know they don't have to sit there for days on hand wondering, is this thing going to... Is it going to erupt or not? They know it will because it has over and over and over again. And in context of relationships, we need to kind of be that kind of person. We need to be faithful friends. We need to have faithful friends. We need to be faithful to God. We need to, we need to live a life of faithfulness, but it's not easy. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a little things a little different today. Rather than just get into the, the relationship, the horizontal relationships between each other we're going to start with some vertical relationships, and we're going to see where the model of faithfulness comes from. And so I've got three areas of relationship directions that we need to have. And if you're a note taker, you probably want to take notes today because this is going to be, a, this is going to be one I think is going to be easy to apply not only today but for future. First direction is the vertical relationship, but it starts at the top and comes down, and that's God to us. Faithfulness starts with God and, and comes to us, and he's the model, right? God is the one who shows us what faithfulness is all about. In Galatians chapter 5, it says this. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, Faithfulness, it goes on, but I stopped there. There are nine of them, but I stopped with the faithfulness because I wanted to drill down on that today. And so it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Well, if you were with us a couple of months ago, we talked about 
these fruits of the Holy Spirit in the book of Galatians. And if you're not familiar with the term, when you give your life to Jesus, we're endowed with the Holy Spirit comes to live in our lives and, and, he, and, he, and he produces these attributes known as fruits of the Holy Spirit that, that we, we, we can have like love and joy and peace and patience. You can have that without the Holy Spirit, but not the kind of level that he wants us to live on. Like you can manufacture a little bit of that, but you can't take it to the level that God can take it to when he lives inside of you. So faithfulness is one of those things. And that's why faithfulness starts with God. He's the model of what faithfulness looks like. And he extends that faithfulness to all of us. You can count on God, but he's consistent. He's loyal. And, he's, and the Bible says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. I mean, you can take it to the bank of his faithfulness. Now, let me just kind of tell you a little bit about God's faithfulness compared to ours. All right, last week we talked about love. And what you're gonna notice today is that love and faithfulness are almost joined at the hip when it comes to scripture and when it comes to God and what he expects of us, that love and faithfulness are just kind of almost together all the time. Because if, and it makes sense because if you have relationships, you got to have love. And the way that God's relationships, the way that God loves with the Holy Spirit living in us is this thing called agape love. That's the Greek word for the unconditional love. So love is part of relationships, but so is faithfulness. Now, last week I said this. That God, of course, is loving, but it doesn't just stop there. God is loving, but he's more than that. God is love. That's what the Bible says. It is love. He's the epitome of love. It's his essence of who he is. It's love. But also, you may not know this, but faithfulness is the same thing. God extends faithfulness, and he is faithful, but it's more than just him giving faith, us you know, faithfulness. It's that he is faithful at his core. It's who he is. Here's what it says in Scripture. In 2 Timothy, it says, if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful for he cannot deny who he is. It is, faithfulness is who God is. And aren't you glad that that scripture says that if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. Our, his faithfulness to us is not contingent about us being faithful to him. Even if you're unfaithful to God, he's still faithful to you because he cannot deny who he is. Now, God, when it comes to God's faithfulness, I want you to think about what, what that means. All right, so let's start with God's word, the Bible. This word is truth. It's filled with promises. And every promise God makes, he delivers because he's faithful. Everything that God says, God does. The scripture says all of his promises are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. So he's, he's a He's a promise keeper. You may have probably heard the hymn, Standing on the Promises of God. Well, that, that's true. We do stand on the promises of God, but the reason we can stand on the promises of God is we have a promise keeper that we can trust. God himself has given us these promises, and he is always faithful. Let's look at some more scripture here to show you what I'm talking about. Lamentations chapter three says, the faithful Love, they're, they're combined again. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. It never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Now check that out. It says that his love never ends. So his love is faithful. It keeps going. 
No matter what you do, it's not based on whether you're lovable, whether you're deserving of his love. God just loves. We talked about it last week. And that love is faithful. Now, you may be, have come through a situation in a relationship where someone verbalized to you that they loved you, but they, it turns out they really didn't love you. Their love wasn't faithful. And now you're a little gun shy when you hear things like this, that God is faithful and God's loving and God's love never ends. And you might think, yeah, I've heard that before. So-and-so said, Ted told me that, but they didn't live up to that. How can I trust that God will do that? Because God is trustworthy. God is faithful at his essence of who he is. He cannot deny who he is. He couldn't, even if he wanted to, which he doesn't, but he couldn't deny that. God's faithful. So it says that his love is, is unfailing. It's, 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 it's faithful. It goes on and it says this. It says that his, um, in, in um, Lamentations, it says his mercies never cease. His mer- you know what his mercy is? Mercy is not getting what we deserve. Like we deserve, because of our sin, we're broken people, right? We, we're all sinful. And because of that, the scripture teaches that what we deserve is we deserve death, hell, the grave. We deserve all of that. But Jesus came and he defeated death, hell, and the grave for us. But he gives us what we don't deserve. That's grace. And his mercies are never ceasing. They're new every morning. And you know what I love about that analogy is that when I think of new every morning, you know what I think of? I think of the sunrise. Every morning that sun rises. I have never once in my life ever wondered. I wonder in the morning when, when I wake, is, is the sun going to come up? Have you ever wondered that? No. You know why? Because it's come up every single day forever. It's consistent. It's, it's faithful. And that's God's measure of faithfulness. Every time you see the sunrise, you know that God is still on the throne, that God is faithful to what he said. The same is with his mercy. Every time that I'm in, you know, I step off the track that I need to be on, that God extends that mercy every day, that mercy is new. No matter what I do, I can't, I can't outsend the mercy and love of God. He loves me that much. He loves you that much. Isn't that great to know that we have a God that way? Well, here's the thing. That when God extends that love to us, that, which is great, we need to not only receive it, as you're going to see, but we need to kind of extend it back. In, in John chapter 1, this is speaking about Jesus. And it says, so the word, and notice that word there is capitalized. That's because he's talking about Jesus. So the word became human because he was, you know, in heaven, spirit. He came in human form. So the word became human, made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Again, those two words together. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. Which means, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what kind of mistakes you've made, that God still extends that love and mercy to you because he's faithful. Now, God to us, now... It needs to be us to God. Long before we get to one another, we got to get the vertical part of this right. And so then that's the second point. It's us to God. It needs to reciprocate. God gives it to us. I need to give it back to him. Now, here's the thing. A second ago, I read that verse from 2 Timothy. It says that, that even if we're unfaithful, God is faithful because he cannot deny who he is. That's the good news, right? Because it's not based on whether or not I'm faithful back to God. Now, I want to be faithful. But the fact is, again, we're, we're, we're human. 
which means that we still struggle with the sin, the old sin nature. And even though we want to serve God and we want to have our heart bent toward the things of God, there are times that we go astray. So this scripture, this is really good for us because we need to understand that God's faithfulness is not based on whether we're faithful back. However, that doesn't give us an excuse to say, oh, if God's going to love me no matter what, and God's faithful no matter what, and his mercies are new no matter what, why don't I just do whatever I want to do? You're missing a picture. That's not, that's not, that's abusing what God's grace is all about. What we're called to do is live our lives in such a way that, that, those times where we go astray are the exception to the rule. They're not, they're not normal. So I need to have, even, even though I'm human, I'm going to make mistakes and I'm going to be unfaithful to God and I'm going to rebel against God and I'm going to be choosing things that are opposed to what the scripture teaches. That has not, that's not the way I want to live. I, I, my desire in my heart is to, is to give back to God the love and faithfulness that he extends to me. I want to give it back to him. But when I'm not, I have God's mercy and have God's grace. And I need to not abuse that grace. But my heart, the longings of my heart, the trajectory of my heart needs to be towards the things of God. And there's a big difference of that and saying it doesn't matter. I'll just do whatever I want to do. So this idea of reciprocating loyalties and faithfulness makes sense. You would think about it on a human level. If, if a one-sided street when it comes to faithfulness doesn't work in relationships. If you're married and you said to your wife, I am 100% loyal and faithful to you, and your spouse says, that's great, but I'm going to play the field a little bit, that's going to be a pretty bad relationship. Wouldn't you agree? Or if you've got a friend that you are, that you, and you're the loyal one, and you expect that person to be loyal, but you say to your friend, you can count on me no matter what, and then you find out your friend is stabbing you in the back, that's not going to be a good relationship because that faithfulness is not a two-way street. And it's the same thing with our relationship with God. God's like, I'm pouring out my faithfulness, my mercy, my grace on you, my love on you. And you go, that's great, but I'm going to do whatever I want to do. That's, that's not going to be a good relationship. So what we need to do is we need to say, God, in spite of my flaws, my failures, my mistakes, I'm going to confess those and I'm going to move toward this relationship with you that you desire. So how do we know when we're getting it right? Like, how do you know when what I'm doing is, is showing, you know, the right kind of relationship that God's looking for. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I shared with you a story. It's a parable, which is a story that Jesus told about, um, about some three servants. It's called the parable of the servants or parable of the talents. And, and if you weren't here, let me just tell you what this, what this was and, and why it's important. Um, there was this master who had these three servants and he said, I'm going on a trip. I'm going to give you some money to take care of my money while I'm gone. And so he gives one five bags of silver to another two bags of silver to another one bag of silver. He goes on his trip, comes back later, says, okay, I'm going to tell me what you did with my money. The first guy says, you gave me five bags of silver. I invested it. Here's, I doubled it. Here's 10 bags of silver. You remember what the master said to his, his servant? In case you don't, it's the words that come up on the screen here. Matthew 25 says this. The master said, well done, my good and what? Faithful servant. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. So he says to the guy, look, you did great. You were faithful with what? Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with the small amounts. I'm gonna give you many more responsibilities. 
let's celebrate together. Then he goes to the guy with the two bags of silver. And he says, how'd you do? The guy says, well, I invested it. I doubled your money. Here's four bags of silver. You know what he said to that guy? The exact same thing. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in these small things. Now I'm going to give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. He comes to the guy with one bag of silver, says, what did you do with my money? He said, well, uh, I buried it. And then the master's really ticked off and he's like, throw that wicked guy out of here. All right. So he's mad because he wasted it. So, so the whole point of that message a couple of weeks ago and the point of what I'm trying to say now is that the measure that God measures us by is always faithfulness, not the scoreboard. Because he gave the same commendation to the guy who had doubled it and had 10 as the guy who doubled it and had four. Exactly the same. God, so my point is this. When I am extending faithfulness back to God, God's going to look at that and say, hopefully, this is what the words are, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a small amount, so I'm going to give you many more. Now, here's, here's something you need, many people need to understand. I talk to a lot of people who say things like this. I just want more responsibility, more this, more that, whatever it is. I want more. And my question is always, what are you doing with what you've got now? And a lot of times they're not doing very well with what they've got now and expecting to get more. That is not going to happen. That's, there's a biblical principle, right? And the biblical principle is this. God gives us a little bit and then looks at how we do with what he's given us. If we're faithful in the small amounts, he will then entrust more to us. If we're unfaithful in the small amounts, why in the world will we give, he give us more of anything if we've, we've proven that we can't even be trusted with a small amount? So the principle is that the expectation is faithfulness and the reward for faithfulness is more responsibility or more whatever it is. Whatever you have, if you open your hands and say, God, I'm giving it back to you, then God can bless it and give you more. But when you hang on and say, I'm not gonna, like the servant with one bag of silver, I'm hanging on to what I've got because I'm afraid to take the risk or whatever reason, then God can't bless your life at all. You're not going to get more because you've proven you, you can't be trusted with it. Guys, I'm telling you, there's sp spiritual principles here. This faithfulness thing is not just about me to you or you to me. It has a lot to do with our relationship with God. So he's faithful to us. I need to be faithful, faithful back to him. And let me give you another uh, scripture here. In, in, um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, it says, Now a person who's put in charge... Uh, as a manager, must be faithful. God is looking for you to be faithful. You say, well, I'm not a manager. What are you talking about? Let me remind you of something. And that is that everything you have is God's. You're going, well, that's not true. I'm telling you, it's true. You may not agree with it, but everything you have is God. You're going, well, but, but, but you don't know. I, I've worked hard. Everything you have is God's. I don't care if your name's on a title, it's God's. You can push back all you want, but that's between you and God. The, the scripture says that everything in the world is the Lord's in all its fullness, everything. So that's good news, right? As far as I'm concerned, because he's the owner, I'm the manager, he puts it in my, in my possession and my responsibility is to be faithful. And when I'm faithful, he gives me more. But if I'm unfaithful, then he takes away what I have because I can't be trusted with it. 
and a responsibility of a manager, because that's what we're called to be, managers, not owners, we're managers. And responsibility and the requirement is faithfulness. How are you doing with what, what God's given you? And you're going, well, what has God given me? Everything. But w- let's break that down a little bit more. Let me just give you three big categories. Your time, your talents, and your treasures. Your time, your talents, and your treasures. We talked about time a couple of weeks ago. We said time is our greatest resource. It's not, it's not money, it's time, right? Because time, you can, if you lose your money, you can get more money. But if you lose your time, it's gone. How are you doing with your, with your time? That God has entrusted you with your time. Your time is limited. My time is limited. We've only got X amount of years to live. And we all have 24 hours in a day. But how are we doing when it comes to giving back to God? Now, we all have responsibilities. We got families. We got work responsibilities. We got other kind of things. So it's not like every minute of the day, I'm just thinking about this is God's time. But in a way, I am. Because what we do, what the scripture tells us is everything we do, we do is unto the Lord, which literally means that all of my time, no matter what I'm doing, whether I'm, I'm working or playing, everything I do can be an opportunity to worship, to give back to God that time. So how are you doing with your time that he has given you? How about your talents? When I'm talking about talents, your abilities, your spiritual gifts, the way that God created you with the passions you have and your personality, those are all God gave you not for you. He gave those so that you can give back to him, so that you can serve others. So your giftedness, those things that God has uniquely created you to have the ability to do are always meant to be used back, giving back to God, to be faithful with what he's given you. And if you're not serving, like in a role in the church and even outside the church, using the gifts, abilities, and talents that you have, then you're doing a disservice to what God's given you. You're not being faithful with those things. How about your treasures, right? The treasures, the things that near and dear to our hearts, our money, our possessions, everything else in between. How are we doing with that? Am I I, I faithful giving back to God what's rightfully his? See, this is the challenging part of this stuff. And we haven't even got to us, you know, the horizontal. We're still in the vertical and it's tough. How are we gonna get to that part? Well, if we don't nail this one very good, the other relationships are not gonna be very good as well. Let me give you a scripture here. This is, this is the Apostle Paul. Let me give you the context. The Apostle Paul now is coming to the end of his life. He's writing to his protege, this guy, a young man in the name of Timothy. And I want you to listen to what he says about his own life and how he recognizes that his life is a gift from God, that God has blessed him and given him this life. It's not his own, but it's, it's God's, literally. And Paul writes this. He says, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. I mean, think about it. Isn't that beautiful? Like, you, you know the Old Testament, they, they did all kinds of offerings to God. Some of them was this, like a, like a fragrant offering that they would pour out before God. And he said, that's how my life is. I've just poured out before God as an offering. Like, I know that wasn't my life to just live any way I wanted to, but it's literally for God. And this is what he did. Then he goes on to say this. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. And I have remained faithful. I mean, that's a great testimony. And you go, man, he must have been a really perfect guy. No, he wasn't. If you know the story of this guy, he wasn't, uh, most of his life, well, the first part of his life was really bad. Like he persecuted Christians and had them murdered. And then eventually he himself became a Christian. He had a radical conversion and then his life changed. And then he decided, you know what? Every second that I've got, I'm gonna give back to God. And at the end of his life, he said, I've remained faithful. 
Isn't that what you want your testimony to be? And when you come to the end of your life, you say, I've been faithful to the things God has entrusted me with. We all want to hear those words one day. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest. That's the words we want to hear at the end of our lives. So it's all about faithfulness. That's how God measures. Now let's get to the horizontal. Finally, right? This is a relationship series. Let's talk about that. This is the third way. It's us to others, us to others, you to me, me to you. How do we, how do we show faithfulness? Well, one of the ways we can show faithfulness is how we speak to one another, our words. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 37, but let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. In other words, your word is your bond. If you say yes, it ought to be yes. If you say no, it ought to be no. This is, this is critical. When, nowadays, we, um, we have a, a, a culture that just isn't real faithful in general. But when we say something as followers of Jesus and we're relying on the Holy Spirit, this is a fruit of the Holy Spirit faithfulness. When I tell you something, I need to do it. Because again, the measure that I have, right, it, the example I have is God's faithfulness to me. So I need to be that, I need to be faithful to, to him and I need to be faithful to others. The root word of faithfulness is faith. This is all about God here. So I need to be faithful to my words. If, if you tell somebody you're gonna meet him at 10 a.m., meet him at 10 a.m. Not 10.05, not 10.10, but 10 o'clock. Why? Because that's what faithful people do. Now, if you have a car breakdown or something like that, obviously that's, that's understandable. But the point is, for those people who are just like, you know, uh, late to everything and have no regard for the other person waiting on you, that's, that's not a good thing. I know that's kind of, for a lot of people, it's kind of like, I, I want to be a little late. I don't like showing up on time. Have some mercy on the rest of us that like to show up on time. If you say 10, be there at 10 because that's what faithful people do. If you um, make arrangements with someone to buy something and your agreement with them, verbal or on contract, doesn't matter because your word's your bond, you shouldn't even need a contract. You shake your hand and you, you say it. That ought to be what you do. As followers of Jesus, that's the way you ought to live your life. That's how it used to be, but it seems like we've gotten away from those days. But when, if you tell somebody, I'm going to buy this and I'm going to pay you $100 a month on the 15th of the month, then you ought to be paying that person on the 15th of the month that $100. Not, well, the check's in the mail. No, the check ought to be in their mailbox on the 15th or in their hand on the 15th because that's what you promised you would do and that's what faithful people do. I, what I'm speaking now just should be, all of us should be going, yeah, of course, of course. But in our culture, it's almost like, are you kidding? People actually do that? Well, faithful people do. That's what we're supposed to be. If you are married and you tell your spouse, that day you stood up in front of, you know, in front of your, your spouse, the preacher and your friends and everybody else, and you made those covenant vows, those promises to one another, that you made, that I'm going to love and cherish you for the rest of my life, having no others, you know, and, and all of those things you say, that ought to be what you do. If you tell your spouse, I'm going to be committed to you, and you share those vows, that's how you need to live. Unfortunately, we know that that's not how most people are living these days. And it's a shame. I read uh, recently about a magazine they did a, a, an anonymous survey of a thousand of their subscribers. And they asked the question about faithfulness in relationships as far as marriage and infidelity and those kind of things. 
And because it was anonymous, they got the response. And they found 45%, this is 450 out of 1,000, admitted to having some sort, of, some sort of inappropriate relationship with the opposite sex. They didn't really identify what that was. 23% or 230 of the 1,000 admitted that they'd had a, an adulterous affair with someone who wasn't their spouse. You may be thinking, that's crazy. What kind of godless magazine is that? Well, it wasn't GQ, it wasn't Cosmopolitan, it wasn't Men's Journal, it wasn't even Playboy magazine, it was Christianity Today. Everybody should have gone, oh, right there at that point. We should have just been shocked, but we weren't. You know why? Because, oh yeah, that's kind of what I, that's what I see. That's, that's not a good thing, guys. We ought to say, are you kidding me? But it happens way too frequently. Let, let me share with you the, the time that I've been, as a pastor, you, get this, you, you are invited into a lot of situations that are very, very difficult, emotional, grief situations. And I want to share the two most, I've, that on the surface, at least in my evaluation, was the most grief that I've ever seen. One was a husband and wife whose son was in an automobile accident. I was in Oconee Hospital with them, sitting in the emergency room, waiting to hear the news, and then they've, unfortunately, he passed away. And I walked in to the room where their deceased son was. And you can imagine the grief as a mom and dad looked on their son, lifeless body of their son. Unbelievable grief. I'll never forget the grief. That happened many, many years ago. I'll never forget pain. I've read that they say the pain of losing a child is the greatest pain there is. But the other one, and I've been through many of these, but this particular one stood out. That seemed to be the same level of grief was when a wife found out that her husband had been unfaithful to her and had broken those, that promise. And the reality of that setting in on her was just like, she couldn't bear that. It was that painful. And I'll never forget the crying, the sobbing, the tears. The... Now, the, the, let me give you the flip side. Many of those relationships can, can still, you know, be whole again and people work through that. And that may be your experience um, or maybe you're in the middle of that and I just tell you there is hope but there's pain here. And my point through saying all that is not to bring condemnation to anybody because if those statistics of that magazine are true then that affects a lot of people but my point is this that if you're on the verge of thinking in those terms or you're, you're, you're getting a little too friendly with someone that's not your spouse put the brakes on that really quick. And it's not just because a lot of people, well, I would never do that. Well, how about how you speak? Are you flirtatious with someone that's not? Are you, are you being unfaithful with the word you speak or, or maybe the thoughts that you're having? See, it's, it's bigger than that. And, and all I'm saying is that as followers of Jesus, we're held to a higher standard. We can't just say, well, that's just the way that it is. It's, it's not. It, it's, it may be the way that the world sees things, but it's not the way as believers we should see things. In Proverbs 3, 3, it says this, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. 
Again, love and faithfulness together. And don't you love the imagery there? That you're to bind them around your neck like you wear them as a collar, love and faithfulness. And they're etched into your heart. You bind them in your heart. Love and faithfulness that I'm going to have, that God has for me, I'm going to extend it back to God. I'm going to extend it to others. I'm going to be that kind of person. There's all sorts of stories in the scripture about faithful relationships and some, unfortunately, some stories of unfaithfulness. A couple of the quick ones, David and his friend Jonathan, some of you know that story. There was a king of Israel named Saul who had a son named Jonathan who would, would be the next to the throne, right? Because he's the prince. But, then there's, but he wasn't God's choice. And, and, and there was a guy named David who was a shepherd. He was God's choice. And Jonathan, rather than being threatened by David, they were close friends. But Saul, the king, hated David and wanted to kill David because he felt like he was a threat to the throne and he was going to kill him. And Jonathan put his own life at risk when, against, you know, when he heard his father talking about plans to kill David. He went to David and said, you need to get out of here. My dad's going to kill you. Saved his life. That friendship, that loyalty, that faithfulness in relationship. But the greatest of all that I think, well, the second greatest of all, the greatest is Jesus' faithfulness to us when he's going to a cross. But on a human level, the greatest um, picture of faithfulness is a story found in the book of Ruth. And the story is basically this. You've got this lady named Naomi. She's a widow. She's got two sons who are married to these two Moabite women. One was named Orpah, one was named Ruth. And their husbands died, and now it's just the three ladies, right? They're just there. And, and Naomi says to her daughters-in-law, look, you're, you're, my, my sons, your husbands are dead. Why don't you just leave? Go back to your hometowns. Start a new life. There's, you don't have to stay with me. Don't feel obligated to stay with me. They don't want to leave her. They love her. She finally convinces one of them to go and says goodbye to Orpah. And then you've got Ruth who's there and she says to Ruth, look, you need to go. Just go, go back and start your family. Don't worry about me. You don't have to be here. Don't, don't feel like you, I, you know, that I need you. I can, I'll get by. But Ruth will not leave her. Here's what she says. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Whenever you die, I will die. Wherever you die, I will die. And there I'll be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything to de- but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. You see that, that closeness, that faithfulness in a relationship, that loyalty. That's the kind of friends we need to be. So let me just kind of ask you these questions in closing. Let's just recap these three areas and let's see how we're doing. And this is kind of a homework assignment because we don't have time to really do this justice. So let's talk about those three relations. Let's talk about God to us. And let's kind of grade that a little bit. Well, we know that's 100% all the time because God is totally faithful. So we can just move on from that. We don't have to wonder about that. How about us to God? Are you using your time, talents, and treasure to serve God, to use the gifts, abilities, and talents, and treasures, and, and time that he's given you? Are you giving it back to God? If not, why not? What do you need to do? Lastly, how about to each other? Are you living out a, 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 you know, that kind of relationships with your spouse, your friends, your coworkers, the people in your life? Are you the loyal friend? Are you the person when, when you leave the room, that person say, that's, I trust that person with my life. Or are you the person when you leave the room, they go, check your wallets, watch out, don't leave, don't turn your back on that guy. Which one are you? It needs to be obviously the faithful one. So let's pray together and let's ask God to do something significant in our life. Again, the model that we have is Jesus and his death on the cross, his willingness 
to do what he needed to do because of his faithful love to us. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you so much that you are a faithful God. We can count on you no matter what. You're the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Your word is true. Your promises um, always are true. And God, I just pray that each one of us would recognize that and to step up in our relationship with you at a point where we're faithful back and we're faithful to one another. We're the kind of friends that, that stick closer than a brother. I pray for those who've never experienced the faithful love of Jesus in their lives. Because we're all human, we all make mistakes, we're all broken, we're all in need of a savior. And if they've never given their life to Jesus, I pray that today would be the day that they would say yes. And if that's you today, maybe just offer a prayer like this. Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for the cross, for your faithfulness to go to the cross, to die in my place so that I can have forgiveness and eternity in heaven. I place my life in your hands. God, thank you for speaking to us today for the truth of your word. In the name of Jesus, amen.